passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of the Long and Winding Royal Road. My name is W.H. Park, and of course, this show is all about the greatest period of in-ring action in the history of professional wrestling, and that's the 1990s of all Japan pro wrestling. And, and episode 17 is a really special episode for, for a couple of reasons. One, one is the, the, the match we're going to talk about. This is one of the most highly regarded matches in the history of this period of all Japan pro wrestling, but also in the history of wrestling itself. Some might call it the, the greatest six-man tag match of all time. Uh, I know many people who have uh, whose opinions are well regarded call it that, including myself. I think it's the greatest six man tag match I've ever seen uh, in all of wrestling. Maybe so, but I, definitely in 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 my own viewing experience, it is. Um, and also, uh, the other reason this episode is really special is that we have a guest who doesn't do that much podcasting regularly anymore, and uh, he is uh, a former member of the the post wrestling family. Actually, I should say former. Because we think we here at Post Wrestling think of him as an as a eternal honorary member of Post Wrestling uh, forever, as long as he wants to be associated with us, which I hope is forever. And that's Jamesy. Jamesy, how are you? IWH. Uh, you left out one small part of my introduction now, and I'm very disappointed. Uh, oh, in I'm it. sorry. The two-time Post Wrestling Transfer Window winner. Jamesy. <laughs> it's true. You are the two-time uh, transfer window winner. You won the Euro transfer the first time that this happened. And then the most recent edition was the World Transfer, which you won. And and I will say publicly, I voted for you. I yes. voted for your card because there is no Jamesy in voting for Jamesy. As uh, to, <laughs> to paraphrase uh, one Nate Milton. Um, yeah, I just, I loved, just to talk about that briefly, I loved that card that you put together. The roster, I was like, whoa, that's that's my roster. That's that's the kind of roster I would want to have, and and no offense to anyone else's cards, but it it's I think it's a testament to like how similar you and I, uh, how similar our tastes in wrestling uh, kind of converge. Absolutely, yeah, and like it, there there were certain points in the draft that I could have made choices that would have deviate deviated away from the overall theme of the card, I suppose, and I could have maybe picked more mainstream you know mainstream popular wrestlers or bigger stars and that kind of thing but i said to myself no i'm going to stick to my guns i'm going to stick to my principles and i think it was a a card for the hardcores wasn't it you've got your june akiyamas and your walters and your tim thatchers and a good sprinkling of wrestlers from japan as well so it was it's uh, you know I, i wanted to to put a card together that i myself would happily pay money to sit in the front row and watch and i think i did that I think so too, and 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 for me, I would have been like, I would have bought uh, uh, two tickets, 
you know, for this one, one for me and one for like to keep it empty. So I could just put all my merchandise <laughs> from that I would buy at the merch tables and, and, and my, and all the food I would have, I would have snuck in from the convenience store. <laughs> I, I don't know if you were going to have a food table there and sell, and sell like uh, snacks and, and, and foods, but it would probably have been overpriced like all wrestling shows. So I was going to just bring in my own food. <laughs> well, it's, it's very much a, a feet up and snacks kind of a card, isn't it? Just sit up, sit back, put the feet up and enjoy the wrestling. I think, I, I think I'd have to bring at least one sandwich with me. Just this, this, like, it's a habit I formed when I was in Japan going to Cork and Hall. It's like, okay, <laughs> time to go to the convenience store. Get to grab some sandwiches, a bag of chips, and a, a, a you know a couple of bottles of uh, of drinks, and and, and there you go. Then I'm I'm ready for like uh, two two and a half hours of, of wrestling action in Cork and Hall. <laughs> bread, bread, and wrestling. That that that's any man's happy place, I think, isn't it? It is definitely, definitely, especially if you're a Satoshi Kojima. But... Absolutely. I, if, if I had got Kojima on the card, it would have been perfect. But unfortunately, ran out of picks in the end. It's okay. Next next year, Jamesy. Next year. Next year. Actually, actually but. But uh, yeah, you you picked this match as as all the, the you know co-hosts of the show do. They they pick the match that we're going to talk about, and you picked. Uh, you asked me was this match picked, and I said no. It's uh, surprisingly not, had not been picked. But um, what match are we going to talk about today? Okay, so we are well. I suppose the, the hardcore all Japan fans from the nineties will probably, if I just said four twenty ninety one. That's probably enough for a lot of those people. But we're going for the six-man tag between the Super Generation Army of Mitsuhara Masawa, Kenta Kobashi, and Toshiaki Kawada against Jumbo's Army of Jumbo Tsuruta, uh, Akira Tawe, and Masanobu Fuchi. And it's from Korokan Hall. That's right. Korokan Hall is a setting. The date is April 20th, 1991. And our participants are Masawa, Kawada, Kobashi against Tsuruta, Tawe. And the, the 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 great Masanobu Fuchi, who I think you and I have been waxing poetically throughout the course of this particular episode. Definitely, he's 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 definitely a, re- a wrestler for the for this a salty veteran for the salty veterans. I think, isn't he? I think so, definitely. Um, and you know, I, I I was saying to you privately, like um, in 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 our in our in our DMs, that you know, like I I've had the distinct pleasure of seeing him live at Corican Hall. And oh, wow. and even though like he's like it is, I think it is his, he's it was in his sixties. I was still like, hey, I'm watching history here, and you know he does his spots to to please the fans. Like he does the uh, the headlock with and the illegal punch, and he says, no, it was open palm strike. <laughs> does that a lot? He does the body slams, even though it, it hurts his back, you know. And and people pop for it, and we do the the fuchi clap clap clap. Fuji, clap, 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 you know, call for him, which we hear hear a lot of in this in this particular match, yeah. even though he's kind of, a, you know, he's the heel in this mm-hmm. match, but he still gets a lot of love from from Corkin in this match. And, and it's great. And we'll, we'll we'll get into all those kind of details as we get into the match itself. But um, this is not the first time these six men have fought each other. James, there's a, at least three other notable matches in, in this, in the series, the, the first one being October 19th, 1990, uh, that has like a five-star rating from, from the wrestling observer. It's, it's got a 9.5 rating, uh, based on 89 votes on cage match. And that was the first match in the series. The, the one we're going to talk about April 20th is the second match in this series and that that also got a five-star rating and it's got a 9.65 based on 112 votes which is i think a little bit more impressive for sure um 
And then the third match in the series uh, emanates from uh, Cork and Hall as well. So this is like the, the perfect setting for the, this combo is Cork and Hall. And that happened on January 24th, 1992. And that, that has a four and a half star rating from the Wrestling Observer. And it's uh, got an 8.13 rating from Cage Match based on 14 votes. So it's not as well known as uh, as the other two before it. And the, finally, the last match between uh, these six men uh, happens on May 22nd, 1992 in uh, the Nakajima Sports Center in Sapporo in the prefecture of Hokkaido in northern Japan. And it has a it has a five star rating from the Wrestling Observer, as well as a nine point two seven rating from Cage Match based on 48 votes. And I think that's the one I, I can't remember if I've ever seen. And I will have to go back and look for it at some point. Yeah. Like, and, you know, the, apart from these specific six, like you then also have other combinations of Jumbo's army. You have matches there where maybe you, you mightn't have Tewe in there. You might have a Yatsu in there or you might have a Kabuki in there. So it's 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 a rivalry that's kind of raged, I suppose, WH for at least, is it nearly a, a year or more in the promotion at this point? It's about a two-year feud. The, two year, the, okay, the, yeah. the, the, the feud between uh, Suri Gun and, and, you know, Mitsuhara Masawa's Super Generation Army. It's it's the generational battle for between like Masawa and, and Jumbo because Baba has has slated Masawa's to be the next ace. And, and at some point, you know, Jumbo has to finally put him over in, for the triple crown. That never happens, you know, unfortunately, because of Jumbo's uh, health, health, uh, you know, decline. But like he, he is, Masawa is though made by, by Jumbo in the, the, the singles match that they have where, where Masawa gets uh, the, the flash pin on him. And, and, it, you know, from there, Masawa's, you know, rocket just takes off and, and, you know, by default, he he elevates Kawada and Kobashi with him, and and you know the thing is with Tawei, the Tawei is really interesting because he was in Super Generation Army, but he oh, thought, yeah. I don't want to be, I'm, I'm going to be fourth on the totem pole after Kobashi. You know, no, I don't think so. Oh, if I, okay, if I jump over because Yoshiaki Yatsu, who was originally Jumbo Suruda's main tag team partner, he he defects the Super World Sports with uh, Jinichiro Tenru. So there's a spot and Baba says, you're going to go with, with, uh, with Jumbo. And it's like, oh, but I'm going to be number two in Saruta gun. I'm going to be Jumbo's main tag partner. I'm going to serve. I'm going to even serve, you know, like kind of, you know, jump over Fuchi as being the number two in the, in the army. And I'm like, it's like, it's perfect. And, and he really benefits from that. And then, you know, when, when Jumbo's gone, it's like Tawei and, and Kawada form the big rivalry, you know, Kawada basically takes Jumbo's spot as, as Nasawa's main rival. And and it's just magic for the next you know eight years after that. Oh yeah, like it's 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 you know I you you hear people talk about this entire to, to kind of step back from the whole period of nineties all Japan, and I think there are a lot of fans, and I think there's a lot of wrestlers as well who think that this period was about moves and big moves and about burning hammers and tiger drivers and head drops you know and and yes they are an element of the style but the real beauty of this whole generation of wrestling really is the the layers of storytelling and and the simple storytelling you know as you said Tewe started off as as a part of Masawa's crew was I think he was in the same class as Kobashi I think if I remember rightly in the dojo 
um, and then makes makes the move over to Jumbo's army because, as you said, he's number four or five as he stands. He can see his chance for himself to be number two and an understandable decision and a decision that, you know, career-wise, you can't really criticise him for making. But then that straight away sets up an enmity and a feud between him and the other guys in this match. And I think that the greatness of this match, which I'm sure we'll discuss in more detail, is that all those little layers of storytelling are there. Yes, it's about Masawa versus Jumbo, but I actually think Masawa versus Jumbo nearly takes a backseat in this particular match to the, the rivalry between the number twos and the guys underneath them in the card. Isn't that right? I think so. I think we're gonna we're gonna really look at the, the rivalry of Kawada versus Tawe, yeah. uh, which which stems from an earlier match they had in January of the same year that that plays a large part in in the layout of this match uh it's, it's beautiful like the way it's just look at it from from an analytical point of view of like the way the the camera edits happen and we'll and we'll get to that more and more details we get into the match itself i want to do kind of do more background yeah but yeah, of course yeah but it's it's beautiful including the finish we'll talk about the fit the finish is just a a beautiful do you like callbacks my god if you watch mm. like the january singles match between kawada and Tawei, and then you watch this match right after it's like oh my god that's that's a callback to to what happened, you know. Da 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 da. And we'll and we'll and I and I have that in my notes. And we'll talk about that. But before we get into more background about the match, I I, I forgot to ask you like your own personal background about your fandom for for all Japan Pro Wrestling from this era. Like I I actually I'm not too sure like how deep your 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 fandom goes for for all Japan of of like from 1990 to 1999 here. Oh, so like um, it's I suppose how I got into it is similar to the story that we would have told when we talked about the Liger match. Myself and yourself did a Liger match for your um, Thunderstruck series um, a couple of years ago. And I talked about buying tapes and importing tapes and that kind of thing. And I suppose my interest in all Japan initially, like I remember I heard you talk, I listened back to your, your episode with JP during the week when I was preparing for this, because you guys did the Jumbo Misawa match. And he was talking about, reading the after mags and seeing all those Japanese wrestlers and those and magazines like that were never a part of my fandom growing up. Um, like to the best of my knowledge, the only wrestling magazines available in Ireland when I was young would have been WWF magazines and maybe the British ones that might have had your, your power slam, but I don't know how far back they even went, you know? Um, so my knowledge and awareness of Japanese wrestling, I would say, began, I'm trying to put a year on it, I would say probably around the year 2000, 2001, when I was in college. And instead of studying and instead of being in the library to do my studies and, and to prepare for my exams and do my assignments, I was sitting on the computers reading about wrestling. And I, I would be reading in particular a lot of review sites and that kind of thing. And I remember, you know, you'd be reading maybe an ECW review or a, a WWF pay-per-view review and you'd see maybe a match get three stars, four stars, the odd five-star match. And then I stumbled upon this review of a Misawa. It was best of best of Misawa five-star matches, it was called. And the guy had reviewed it and it was seven or eight matches, I think, on this tape. And he gave everything five stars. And his his reviews are nearly. It's he's doing he's doing the play by play style of review, you know. And 
half of his reviews are him writing in caps lock because he's so excited about what he's what he's watching. You know, it's and I'm reading these reviews going, God, like that there's this there are these wrestlers who have all these five star matches. Who are they? I have to see this stuff. So then it came to the time when I finally got my own credit card and I was able to, oh no, I was able to get, I remember we discussed this before, I was able to get a postal order from the post office as a poor suffering student with not much money to my name. And I sent it off and I remember my my first ever order was the super, and I did well for a guy making his first purchase. I think I did pretty well. I I got that tape, the Masawa five-star bouts. Um, I got the Super J Cup and I think I got a couple of the first ever ROH shows. Now, as a guy who was kind of coming into this thing blind, I, I think I did pretty well there, WH. Like I've ticked, I've ticked three major boxes there. Classic ROH, New Japan Juniors from the 90s and all Japan 90s wrestling. So I, I've done pretty well with that, you know. I think if you if you want to sample all Japan, some of the best matches, like anything with Masawa in it is, is definitely yeah. the, the way to go for sure. Yeah. And like I, I remember now at the other side of it was like I remember getting the tape and then watching it at home and I suppose finding it difficult as, as a first time watcher with no idea of the background. And like, you know, that thing you do when you're new to a style of wrestling, even figuring out who was who in the ring. You're like, okay, so get the guy in orange is Kobashi. Okay, that's okay. Masa was the guy in green. Who's this guy in the blue trunks? Oh, okay, that, that that's a young Akiyama, you know? So you're figuring it all out. And I remember being a little, I, I had built it up so much in my head I remember being mildly disappointed at that point because I didn't understand the background. Like I, I had no knowledge of the significance of Kawada pinning Masaba for the first time. You know, I had no no knowledge of the significance of the first ever Tiger Driver, all these things, you know what I mean? And um, so I had the tape and as time went on, I, I would read more and more and I'd go back to them. And then I remember kind of later on in my fandom being a DVD collector and getting this really, really lovely DVD set, which I still have here uh, in the press beside me, um, of, of the entire Misawa and Kawada feud on DVD. And it would be like for really good quality as well. Like, like the tape that I got initially was awful quality, like almost unwatchable. Like the commentary was just this kind of a distorted warbling sound that you could hear but it wasn't you know it, it just it, it, it tracking marks you know yourself as an old style fan the old tapes you're tracking marks the picture jumping and, and disappearing for five seconds and all this and then i got the dvd set and this was the entirety of their feud kind of all the major matches of the masawa kawada feud and i remember making the effort to you know, the next match on the list, I would go and research the match first of all. I'd look up a cage match and read about it, try and find as much information as I could and kind of immerse myself in the feud that way. And I think that was my real falling in love with 90s All Japan because I then understood the narrative and I could watch the matches fully in knowledge of what people back in the 90s were watching the match. You know what I mean? I knew what was happening. I knew the storyline. I appreciated the layers. And then from there on, it's just like, you know, I, I, I just adore this period of wrestling. You know, I, I, I don't know if I can say for sure it is the greatest period of wrestling of all time because you have to give credit to New Japan and what they've just done in the last decade as well. You know, and the difference, I suppose, between New Japan and All Japan in the 90s is we're, we're cherry picking the very, very best of the All Japan stuff, whereas we were seeing the depth of the cards in New Japan, you know what I mean? And we were seeing people rise up and we were seeing that for like, there was maybe the junior scene was good. There was good periods of junior tag matches, that kind of thing. So I can never say for sure whether I prefer 
Bushy Road here in New Japan or 90s All Japan. But to me, they're the two kind of at the very top. Very hard to separate. For sure. For sure. And like, of course, this is like, you know, discounting the, the idea of Lucha Libre, I, I, which I don't I don't follow. So I, I, someone could say WH like 1977 to 1982, <laughs> like CML was amazing. And I, I, you know what? I'm not going to argue with someone who tells me that he's like, I don't know. I can't say one way or another, but for, for my own fandom. And, you know, a lot of people will say this, like, and so like, I like to say it this way. And you now this is the show about all Japan for wrestling. From the 90s, yeah. so it's the yeah. greatest period of wrestling of all time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I get to say that on my own show for sure. But for sure, you, you have to make arguments for, for like other, other companies and other eras. Definitely. But uh, let me just ask you quickly before we get back into the background of this match, Jamesy, who, who is your favorite of the four pillars? Again, something that has changed over time. I, I think back then, at the, you know, as I said, the guy back in the early 2000s who was buying those videotapes would probably have said Masawa because he probably thought that was the right answer and because he felt <laughs> Masawa was the name on the tape and he was the ace, so obviously he's the best. And then I think as I got into it, I fell in love with Kobashi um, for the obvious reasons, the very obvious, the great setting, the baby face, you know, the 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 sympathy that he could evoke, his ability to have those great comebacks, his fire, all the the, the, the burning spirit, all that stuff. And I think finally I have settled on Kuwada. I think now that I know the story in full and now that I appreciate and I can safely say I have seen enough of 90s All Japan, I think I've settled on Kuwada because I think he's the most interesting. I think he's the most sympathetic figure. I think his story and his chase of Masawa is the story really of all Japan in the 90s. Yes, Masawa was the ace and yes, he was the champion multiple times and the top guy in the company. But to me, the ace can sometimes be a little bit boring and a little bit of a, okay, he's the guy on top, fine. To me, the interesting story is the guy underneath, the guy who's always been in the shadow, the bridesmaid who's kind of chased this guy for his whole career and never been as good as him. And to me, that's the more compelling story. So for me at the moment, and it may change again in the future, it has to be Kawada. Yeah, for me too. It's like, I always say my, my, one of my favorite wrestlers, like overall wrestlers would be, I think Kobashi edges out Kawada a bit, but of among the four pillars, like Kawada is the most interesting, and and I just love his story. Like you, I love his story, but my guy, just watching his stuff, rewatching a lot of matches involved with, that he's involved in, it's just like his selling is yeah. just like even now, like his selling. You should people should watch just his selling. Forget all the moves he does, just watch his selling. The delayed selling, especially, is just absolutely masterful and just just above everyone else in the company. I feel and 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 to me, it, it adds to his aura of like gaining sympathy, like being in Misawa's shadow, but also being in Kobashi's shadow. And like, if you understand the background of like how how Baba looked at him, you know, compared to Misawa and and Kobashi, it's it's like oh, you, you really get into. Kawada story and we're going to talk about Kawada quite a bit in in this match but but maybe let's get back to to the last uh the last piece of background for for this particular match and I want to talk about the full card and the results from April 20th 1991 at Cork and Hall it's it's fan appreciation day at Cork and Hall for for, for from all Japan to its fans uh the uh, it was at Cork and Hall the attendance was capacity crowd Jamesy it's 2100 people and and I can believe that that's not bullshit because if you if you watch this match or any of the matches on this show this crowd 
is full. There's like every available seat is taken. There's like there's people standing in the aisles, like trying to trying to get a good look inside the mat inside the ring, and and it's full filled with with men of all ages, women of all ages, and tons of kids, which is just amazing to see for me. Oh yeah, like it's it's, and again we'll go into it in more detail. But what an atmosphere that that show takes place in! Like this is a hot crowd. You talk about people being over all, and again there will be nearly we nearly have an opportunity when we go into the match to point to different points in the match where everybody gets their own little chant. You know what I mean? Yes, you could say one side is acting a little bit more heelishly than the other side, but this crowd absolutely adores all six of these guys everyone is so over um and it's yeah it's it's just something else to see and it it's nearly exacerbated i suppose after the last two years of modern wrestling and current wrestling where we've had to endure these awful clap crowds like it's such a pleasure to to, to click play on this thing on youtube and see how just how engaged and loud and vocal this japanese crowd is uh, the the broadcast of this particular show of this match was May twelfth, nineteen ninety one, and it was broadcast on uh, Nippon TV. Now let's just take a quick look at the card. Match one was Mitsuo Momoda, and he defeats uh, rookie Satoru Asako in seven minutes and twenty seconds. Uh, match number two, Siyoshi Kikuchi, who would figure in a lot of the uh, mm. other great six man tags involving the Super Generation Army against uh, against Saruta Gun, but not not on this day. He takes on Richard Slinger, the the cousin of Terry Gordy and he defeats him in eight minutes and 25 seconds. Uh, match number three, Isamu Taranishi takes on Haruka Aigen and defeats him in 10 minutes and 16 seconds. Match four, Russia Kimura takes on Motoshi Okuma and beats him in 11 minutes and 12 seconds. Uh, match five is a tag match. Mighty Inoue and Yoshinari Ogawa, who would be one of the other people like who would uh, participate on the Sarutis gun side of, of the Super Generation Army feud. And they defeat the, the Southern Rockers tag team of Rex King and Steve Dahl in 12 minutes and, and 25 seconds. I got to say here at this point, James, like, I always love Baba. He, like, he picked some of the best Warners to come to Japan and work on top. But he also filled out the, the, the mid card and undercard with some really interesting you know, it's, it's choices of people that he would bring over <laughs> from the United States and other parts of the world. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly eclectic bunch of people, isn't it, for sure? Southern Rockers now are, are a tag team that I can say I've seen many matches of now, to be honest with you. Um, and then from there, another tag match, but this is for the All-Asia Tag Team Title Match. The Cat-M Express, Danny Crawford and Doug Furtis taking on and defeating Dynamite Kid and Johnny Smith, who were the champions at this time in 12 minutes and 16 seconds. This is a title change, so I haven't seen this match, but I'm sure based on the names alone, that this is probably a pretty decent match, if not a really good one. Oh, yeah, that's that, that's a match. Now, as I said, I, I can't say there's been any matches that you called out so far that would have me rushing to YouTube or to Billy Billy to try and find. But yeah, Can-Am's against Dynamite Kid and Johnny Smith. I think you know what you're going to get there. You're probably going to get a good, solid technical match. Um, Dynamite Kid in 91, trying to think like how how close to the end is he at that point and how much has he got left in the tank that'd be interesting to see for sure wouldn't it i i would imagine that johnny smith does the bulk of the work yeah, and then yeah. just tags in for hot tags and does his headbutts at a staff suplex and that's it and then yeah but you know i i think johnny smith is a great wrestler like i've seen enough of him where i'm like that yeah. guy was like really underrated i feel yeah 
solid. Just a, a good, like, I, I think, especially in Japan, they love a good, solid British pro, don't they? Like, even when you think forward to Noah, like, they would always have brought uh, Doug Williams over and that kind of thing. So they always appreciated the British style in, in Japan. I think Johnny Smith is as good a proponent of that as anybody. Uh, and finally, semi-main event, Danny Spivey and Stan Hansen defeat Cactus Jack McFoley. And uh, I don't know who this would be, the Texas Terminator Hoss. That's his full name, everyone. Texas Terminator Hoss. I don't know if there's a Texas Terminator something else. And he's just t- teaming with Cactus Jack for this. But but Mick Foley in all Japan, folks. And and probably getting hit beat up uh, by by both Stan Hansen and Danny Spivey in this match. As they would be the higher rated people on, on, the, on the roster at this time. And that, that match lasts about seven minutes and 50 seconds. I, I think it'd be kind of fun just to see like Hansen beat up, beat up Mick Foley. That's just me, though. And I'm endlessly fascinated who this Texas Terminator Hoss is or what, what he looks like. I'd imagine he's not a small man, WH, anyway. Any man who's, who's got Hoss in his name can only be at least six foot tall. I, I will. I will, pounds. I will die if it actually turns out to be like The Undertaker or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> or a cruiserweight. <laughs> or a cruiserweight. That would be even better. That would be even better. Tiny guy, yeah. Yes, for sure. All right. So that's that's the the card. If, if you want to seek out the rest of these matches, I, I don't know how available they are. Usually you do 420-91. This is the six man, the main event is what you're gonna what you're gonna get. But but Jamesy, let's get in into the match. And and right off the bat, there is a Fuchi clap clap call. He's taken, he gets announced, he's taken off his ring jacket, and there's a call for him because they they want to see some classic Masanobu Fuchi like spots. And and I we don't get too many of those. We don't get like the the, the punch to the face hidden from the ref, but we do get a lot of we get a lot of like just brutality from Fuchi in this match. And I and I'm all here for it. Oh yeah, like it it did my heart good because definitely now, like if I'm thinking back to James E 10, 15 years ago. And I'm looking at this match on, on the screen of my DVD and about to research it. And I'm like, okay, Jumbo's in it. Great. Masawa's in it. Kawada, Kobashi. Love it. Love it. Brilliant. Excellent. And then I'm like, Masafuchi. Hmm. Not too sure about him. And that's the, that's to my eternal regret and ignorance that I would say that because in recent years, Masafuchi has become a guy that I've really fallen in love with. And we were chatting in the DMs in the last few days about little moments in this match that made us pop and that kind of thing. And I think we're both in agreement that Masafuji is indeed a great man. He is a great man. He's such a an amazing wrestler. Like, you know, he's he's like a stalwart of the junior heavyweight division at this point. He's a multiple time perennial, you know, all Japan junior heavyweight champion. Like at this time, he's probably feuding with with Yoshi Kikuchi a lot over that title, and and I haven't seen too many of those singles matches. Like though, if they pop up, I'm definitely gonna watch them because like I can't think of a better like you know singles match between two complete polar opposites of like Fuchi and and Kikuchi. Even though Kikuchi, many say, oh, he was always a grumpy old man. You know, if you only seen him in Noah and didn't see him in in all Japan, he he looks a bit younger, but his facial expressions still look look like a grumpy old man. <laughs> So <laughs> permanently. And and from here we we get probably the best shot of the entire of the entire video, Jamesy. And that's of Giant Baba at the commentary table <laughs> looking like Mr. Rogers with the sweater that he's uh he's sporting on. Uh, but but also looking incredibly happy and incredibly proud. And it's almost as if he knows 
that this match is going to be incredible. Like he's he's beaming, isn't he? Like he's got a big smile on his face. He's like we were talking earlier. He's there with his um his sandwich from the shop, and he's going to put his feet up at the commentary desk now and watch this great match happen. You know what happened probably earlier in 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 the show, Jamesy, is that he was probably because he he would go out to the the merchandise area and like help sell you know merchandise and talk to fans. It's kind of like what part of what made all Japan so popular with with its fans and like he probably just saw like all the money he, he was making <laughs> from like all the t-shirts of Misawa and whoever we yeah. were selling and he's like yes I no, so no wonder he's happy he's very happy so yeah. there you go uh, a rich baba is a very happy baba yeah. and, and i actually i read in the course of my research for this that actually after the match um when the cameras were all turned off that he he's he's he sta- like the, and all the fans are still in the in the arena and the wrestlers have left the ring and Baba stands up from the um, announce table and takes off his headset and goes to walk to the back and he gets a huge chant from everybody almost as if to say thank you Baba for booking this amazing match that we've just seen you know so it's a promoters being over as much as the wrestlers isn't a new thing and it's not just an ECW thing or an ROH thing or a progress thing it dates all the way back to 90s all Japan but probably probably Baba's the 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 most ethical of, uh, of all those promoters oh, yeah, that we're referring to. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I, as much as we know, anyway. <laughs> well, hopefully, I'm, I'm going to say nothing's come out about Baba. And, exactly. And so, it's like, been long I, enough I, now, surely it would have. I, 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 I'm, I'm, and I'm going to stick with that. He's probably the, the most ethical promoter in, in, in the history, or one of the most ethical promoters in the yeah. history of this business. But, but I got to talk about the camera work and editing. They are absolutely fantastic and mm. and we we see it right off the bat james Z, because there's a great shot uh, of of Tawe as he started he's, yeah. he's going to start the match with kobashi but then it cuts to this close-up of kawada and you just see <laughs> him glaring him side-eyeing Tawe. and this is in reference to the january 15th match they had at cork and hall and and you've seen this match i'm sure yes I have a long time ago, and I also I watched um, our good friend Joseph Montecilio's video about this match, and he he kind of references the same match as well in his video. So that, that's what reminded me of it. Yeah. So that's the match where like they they kind of really jump started their their own personal rivalry with one another, right? So this is the match that that Kawada bloodies Tawe up and and he just like chair on him, isn't he? Oh, oh yeah, it's great. This is a, if you want to see a brawl in all Japan, this is probably one of the best brawls you'll ever see. That doesn't involve like Stan Hansen or or Terry Gordy in it, and and it's is fantastic. But this is the backdrop for this the context for like the kind of like the their interactions throughout this match. Just right from the start, you know, like it's like Kobashi's supposed to start the match, but it's like Tawe's like, no, I want him and Kawada's just looking at him like I want to kill you already and 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 you know it's it's great this is it's you know it's great because like you know Tawe Kobashi lock up and then you know he you know there's some spots involving them like he hits him with the uh the sumo stance uh lariat and then he just runs over and just slaps Kobashi right off the apron and it's 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 on it's it's just amazing yeah like and it's um there's there's a great phrase and I don't know if you're aware of this WH in um it will be used in in, in football and in, in soccer a lot. Um and it's called a reducer, where you at in the in the opening few minutes of a match, you'll tackle somebody really, really hard, foul them almost, 
And it's almost to send a message to your opponent that like we're not, you know, to try and intimidate him and to try and let him know that we're not messing about today. You know what I mean? That this is going to be a really hard match. And to try and like, it, it sends a message to your opponents and sends a message to your own teammates as well to say like, come on now, lads, this is an important match. We have to take this seriously. You know what I mean? And th- that shot on, that shot that he gives Kawada knocking him off the apron is exactly that. Like it's a great reducer where it's it's telling us as viewers straight away, this is a serious match, and it's um, it's they do it a lot in the, in all Japan, don't they? In that time period, like I remember the same thing happening in six nine ninety five as well, where I think it's um, is a Kawada knocks Misawa off the ring apron. I think it is. That's correct. And yeah, and there's the, there's the famous elbow, of course. That at, at some point in in one of these six man tags, I think doesn't Misawa do the same to Jumbo as well? I think it's in a tag match. Knocks King off the ring apron, and that starts their feud. So it was like their go-to little trope to let us know that two people hate each other. And the great thing about that is, if you didn't know any of the backstory, if you came into this match and sat down and pressed play on this and knew nothing about the backstory, straight away you know that guy there in the black trunks really, really hates that guy in the red trunks. And you need no, no more. You know straight away what's going on. You know, and that's the great thing about it. Yeah, so I should correct myself. So the first spot that happens is that. You know, Kawada's going to tell Kobashi, tag me in. But then Tawei cuts that off and just slaps him off the apron. And then after, yeah. Tawei is doing the spots with, with Kobashi and, and then does the sumo stance lariat on him. And then he lariats Kawada. The second spot is him lariating Kawada off the apron. Mm. And, and, and Kawada's just great because this is early in the match and he's just selling, being knocked off. Like, it, it already hurts. So he's already getting sympathy. He's He's creating this tension like that people want him in this match, especially if he's going to be in the ring with Tawe. And, and don't worry, people, you're going to get it. We're going to get to that point. But, but at this point, uh, Masanobu Fushi tags in, he hits this very nice looking drop kick on Kobashi. And then he does a sequence of chain wrestling, uh, you know, on, on to Kobashi. And, and it's just beautiful to watch. It's just nice, nice sets up a nice flow of like, we're not, we're not hitting the, you know, the tension between Fuji and anyone else in this in this match, but it's it's just nice. It's nice to see him just you know kind of lay the groundwork and lay a foundation for what we're going to get later on. Yeah, and I think the nice thing about Fuji in this match as well is he provides a contrast to everyone else. You know, like with everyone else, you're going to get the big strikes and you're going to get the big moves and you're going to get all those great things that we love about all Japan. But then Fuji comes in and does his wrestling and it's it's not out of place and it doesn't feel antiquated or old compared to the rest of the guys, but it's just different. And I think different is good in a match like this. It's nice to have that kind of X factor where he's doing different things to everybody else as well. Uh, from here, Jumbo and Masawa finally tag in and we hear the uh, first instances of people stomping their feet in Corican Hall for this match. And and I can say from experience that I I have stopped my feet in Corican Hall, if, you know, during a match. And and it's a fun thing to be a part of. But it's also just incredible to 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 feel the rumblings in Corican Hall. And, and, and James, at, at some point in the future, I'm hoping like you and I could, could go watch a really excellent foot stomping match in Corican Hall in the future. Oh yeah, like it's 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 one of those iconic sounds, isn't it? The, the crowd stamping their feet in Corrigan Hall and 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 screaming somebody's name, and it's uh, it's it's Masawa, isn't it? That gets the chance at this point, I think. Like really, really, really cheering for Masawa and Jumbo. Like you, you get a the, like the cameraman in this 
like you have to give them great credit. Like they, they, I'm not saying that this is cinematic wrestling or any of that nonsense that we hear about nowadays with modern wrestling, but the cameramen in this really know what they're doing because you get the crowd chanting from Masawa and straight away the cameraman has the foresight to zoom in on Jumbo's face. And Jumbo's not happy about this. Like he looks particular. like <laughs> Jumbo's never a happy looking man at the best of times, but he looks particularly annoyed and particularly surly when this giant Masawa chant goes up, doesn't he? Oh, for sure. It's and it, it it plays into like, you know, like their their own their own personal feud with one another because this is like this is following this particular match follows like a triple crown title match that took about that took place about a week earlier on April 18th, where you know Jumbo retained his title by beating Masawa and he broke the the, the ties in their single matches because they were like one one, but then Jumbo won that match. He did he successfully defended the triple crown and now it's two to one. So it's kind of like you know, Misawa is kind of like, okay, I gotta regroup and and, and gain momentum and some, you know, and, and try to gain bandage over over Jumbo over in, in this tag match. So that's kind of the setting for this and, and like kind of like what we have to keep in mind when we're looking at the interactions between Jumbo and Masawa here as well. Uh, so they have some back and forth with lockups and strike exchanges until Jumbo hits his kitchen sink knee to Masawa's abdomen. And I got to say, James, like, I don't know about you, but I think Jumbo has one of the best knees to the abdomen in the history of wrestling. Oh, yeah. Like a, a simple move, but an incredibly brutal move. Like, and he's, he's just such a big man, isn't he? You know what I mean? So hi, him throwing a knee has extra heft and extra emphasis than, than say, than, than a lot of the other guys in this match. But, but yeah, like one of the classic jumbo moves, isn't it? That big knee to the gut, yeah. Is and and Fuchi tags in and then he he's like okay I got the opening from Jumbo I'm gonna target Masawa's abdomen and uh, he goes for uh, he goes for the abdominal stretch which Masawa reverses until Tawei comes in and makes a save and while he's in the ring he thought I'm gonna fuck with Kawada and knocks him off the ring once again and <laughs> and, and keep in mind Kawada has yet to be legally involved in this match Jamesy yeah and and for for that entire period. That we're talking about what's going on in the ring. I, I'm pretty sure Kawada has been on the floor selling the initial attack. And he literally, the minute the minute he makes it back to the apron, Tawe just goes for him. So it, it's almost like there's two different matches going on. There, there's a six-man tag happening in the ring, which is the main match. But there's this side story of Tawe and Kawada just absolutely hating each other. And Tawe having this obsession with like he's trolling him, isn't he? Like he's just trying to wind him up and trying to annoy him as much as he can. And as we see later in the match, I'm not necessarily sure trolling Kawada is the best thing to do. No, definitely not. It's but, a silly move. You know what? But it's, it's the other the other thing we have to say, <clears throat> excuse me, is that, you know, Tawai's not the only one who's going to be trolling Kawada in this match. No, no. no. Uh, but but Jumbo tags back in and works over Masawa some more until Masawa hits a beautiful high cross headbutt and then tags in Kobashi. Kobashi is an absolute house of fire. He's he's in there with the ace of the company and he just like unloads on him. But you know Jumbo cuts him off and quickly tags in Fuchi, who decides I'm going to work on the left arm of Kenta Kobashi here. He goes first with a chop from the top rope while while Jumbo is holding uh, Kobashi's arm. And then he goes over by, he does a couple of uh, over-the-shoulder arm breakers that I guess more people would probably know from from like something Yuji Nagata has in his repertoire. Mm. Um, and then essentially he DDTs the arm, drives him to the ground, and then he just grinds on it. He's just absolutely like fucking working on this and just like trying to, you know, kind of like trying to saw it off basically with his elbow. It's great. Oh, yeah, and again, 
the contrast. You know, so far it's been big strikes and it's been, you know, all the moves you'd expect the other guys to do. And then Fuji comes in and just says, you know, and like, I'm not going to say that this arm work has any big payoff later in the match. It's not the story of the match or anything like that. It's just a nice, interesting little thing that he does for a minute or two that kind of makes, just makes his time in the ring memorable. You know what I mean? Like he's very, very good at, he's not going to be the guy who's been overshadowed in this match. He's going to make sure that when he gets in there, he's going to do something interesting. And like this work on the arm is phenomenal. Like, you know what I mean? As you said, it's, it's not just your, your listless, lazy arm work. You see some people do like everything he does, you feel like he really means it. You know what I mean? Like what, he puts on an arm bar and the takedown for it is amazing. He t- there's, a, there's another kind of, a, it's a, I don't know what would you call it, but he ties Kabashi up in this move where he has both arms trapped. Um, just amazing. Really, really good. Really interesting. And again, just enjoying Fuji's contribution to this match an awful lot. I, I, and here's my hot take about Fuji that I, I wanted to uh, talk to you about. is like, I've never met or talked to Timothy Thatcher but if I did, I, and I asked him, are you a fan of Masanobu Fuji? I, I think there's a 90% chance he'll say, yes, I love Masanobu Fuji. Surely, surely to God, because, yeah, like all the traits they have, that, I, I would imagine it's the moment when he takes him down and puts him into that Fujiwara armbar that kind of makes you think that because it's, yeah, it's uncanny. And I would imagine if you spoke to, to Masanobu Fuji, you would one of his major influences would definitely have to be Fujiwara, surely to God, because the similarities between those two guys are just uncanny as well, aren't they? Definitely, definitely. Uh, t- at this point, Tawei tags in. He does a double axe handle to Kabashi's left arm from the top rope, and then he applies a Fujiwara armbar, and then transitions into a cross arm breaker where Tawei is on his back. And and you know what? That's a big mistake on Tawei's part because guess who sees his opportunity? Toshiaki Kawada. <laughs> he comes in and he starts viciously kicking at Tawei's back. And I think more to punish Tawei rather than to help Kabashi. Yeah, like and, and it's 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 important to emphasize like when we say that Kawada is kicking Tawei in the back, like he is kicking Tawei in the back. <laughs> like there's there's nothing worked or there's nothing pulled about any of these kicks. Like he is kicking him full force in the back as hard as he can. And it's it's a, it's one of the moments, like if you're to list the great moments in the match, you would nearly say this moment is maybe the first great, great big moment in the match because it's just this explosion of hatred between the two of them. You know what I mean? And like, they just, can you describe what follows as anything more than just a fight, really? They, they just, they fight each other, really, don't they? To, to the point where you almost feel like it's real. Oh, I mean, it. It's, you know, so he kicks him and then, you know, Tawe is super pissed. He gets up, mm. he just starts attacking Kawada and, and to the point where like the other team members, <laughs> like they have, they're trying to break it up. And like, <laughs> it, it's funny because like Masao and Kawada, their idea of breaking up is trying to like pull Kawada because Kawada's on top of Tawe and, <laughs> and, and Jumbo and, and Fuchi's idea of breaking up the fight is to kick Kawada in the head. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> which is funny. And then it's, it's, it's so intense that QA Wada has to come in there. He like, you know, he calls over Saruta and says, get, get help, get, break this up. We need to get this match back to being a match again. It, it, it's great. It's so intense. And I, yeah. and, and, and you can just feel kind of like the electricity that the fans know, Oh my God, we're going to see something special here. We're not just going to get uh, a, you know, a, a six man tag match between these guys. We're going to get something that maybe, we're going to be talking about for years to come. Yeah, like and I don't think I've ever seen 
two teammates have to drag their oh like usually in a wrestling match you would want your teammates to be doing damage to his opponent like, but you get the genuine feeling they're afraid that the match is going to be called off isn't that the way it is almost like god if we don't get Kawada off Tewe right now this match is going to be thrown out and that's going to be the end of it so they're, they're kind of they're, they're teasing the, the DQ almost things have gotten so heated you know what I mean and it always reminds me of like a fight you would see at two o'clock in the morning in Dublin city centre outside a nightclub or something where things have gotten out of hand and the, the, the police are on the way and <laughs> these guys are trying to pull their friend off the guy he's fighting because they need to get away. Like it's, it's just pure madness. Like and it's brilliant. And it's just the realism of it and, and the, the, the intensity of it. It's just, it's a really tense situation and it sets the table beautifully for the match to come. Oh, for sure. And, and if we think about this match as being like an, like an onion, like Jumbo and Masawa is one of the onion, one of the layers of this, and, and Tawei versus Kawada, and the intensity of the of like their hatred for one another in this match is is another layer. And, and I think it really, for me, it, it really puts over the, the the match as a whole. And, mm-hmm. and you know, like there's some great interactions throughout for different partners and and different opponents with one another. But like for me, it's like the the interactions between Kawada and Tawei are just like wow. Like I just can't just watch it constantly and i've watched this match three times already in the last four days so it's like every time i get to this part it's like oh yeah it's so amazing um and one thing to note is like i noticed that the, the women in the audience are firmly behind toshiaki kawada in his rivalry with with akira tawe because you can hear them calling his name and you see and you even see camera shots of, of of different women cheering for him in, in the audience which i think just is really smart because it, it shows the audience at home is like okay it's okay to to, to, to cheer Kawada, even though he's not as good looking as, as Misawa or, or, or Kobashi. And that's kind of like one of the knocks against him traditionally is like yeah. why Baba didn't push him as hard as because like, cause wrestling was changing even in Japan where it's like, it's becoming more aesthetically based and, and it's like, okay, well, he's good looking and he's good looking him. Not so much. So he's not going to get pushed as much, but Hey, like the ladies love them. Some dangerous K Toshiaki Kawada too. So. You know, that it's a mistake on Baba's part. He could have got a lot of mileage out of uh, Kawada as, as, as a heartthrob. And he can sing. Do you know this, James? Like, Toshiaki Kawada is a very, very good singer. I believe I know that. Is that from his time in, um, oh, what was that crazy promotion? Oh, Hustle. He was, he, he was General Kawada. Didn't he do a lot of singing in that promotion? Do I have that right? It's also like there's there's clips of him on YouTube doing like on variety shows singing. Okay. Like there doing karaoke. And it's like, whoa, he's really good singer like, that's amazing you know, a, a man of many talents a man with no teeth can sing that well is like quite amazing i think there you go uh, <laughs> uh kobashi tags in mr misawa and now it's time to get the heat on tawei uh misawa decides to wear down tawei with holds and applies a great looking like indian deathlock butterfly lock combination oh, yeah. uh tawei tries to fight from the bottom with some slaps but you know misawa says okay you slap me here's an elbow and then he hits him the second time he hits him with the slap that I thought maybe the slap was even harder than the elbow and the mm-hmm. and elbows are what Masao is known for. Yeah, and actually at that point it's it's Tawei's turn to get a little bit of a chant from the crowd as well. Like so like we referred to earlier, at every point in the match, the crowd gives each of these guys their moment like you know what I mean? It really is amazing to think that there were six guys over to this extent that they would all get their own little chant at some point in the match and all had their own time to shine. You know, it was just another part of the greatness of the match, I think. Uh, from this point, Kawada 
James, he finally tags in. He's finally legal in this match. And he goes straight after Taiwei with these beautiful chops to the chest and elbows to the head. But but Taiwei fires back with these uh, with, with one of the my favorite moves, the sumo push slaps. Yeah. And then he hits a beautiful jumping DDT off the ropes. And and as I talked about in the previous episode of LNWRR, the, the D- Taiwei biography, like Taiwei will surprise you with, with how agile he is. And he has one of the best DDTs in, in, in the company at this point. Oh, yeah. And this one was particularly great. And you mentioned earlier about Kawada selling. Like, he sells this DDT like he's been shot in the head, like, doesn't he? Like, he's, he's immediately down on the ground, clutching his neck and clutching his head and flailing his legs. Like, you feel it, God, like, it's, it's you know, we've come to take the DDT for granted. But if you didn't know much about wrestling and you saw the DDT being hit here, you would swear that it was almost a finisher the way he sells it, you know. And Saruta Gun from this point, like, smells blood in the water. Uchi is tagged in, and he immediately targets the neck of Koshaki mm. Kwada with an enziguri. And uh, it's a good, it's it's one of those enziguris that he he's kind of, like, jumping down on his opponent's head instead of, like, jumping, like, high, like 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 an Owen Hart would or, or like, mm. a multitude of other people who do the enziguri, which I think is is a really interesting, like, kind of, uh, you know, variation of, of the kick to the back of the head. Uh, he throws Kawada to the outside where... Jumbo Sirita is waiting for him. Uh, Jumbo then whips him into the guardrail. And then uh, he follows that up with a Terry Funk style pod driver onto the blue mats, the blue mats covering the hard floors of Cork and Hall. And to me, it's like, okay, like now's, you know, now Kawada has tagged in and he's probably regretting it because now he's going to be, he's going to get the shit beat out of him by Sirita gun. Yeah. Like, and like this, we should say, like, this is a very, very long match, isn't it? And it's, it's you know, when you load up the YouTube video, it's like a 55-minute video or something like that. It's, it's quite intimidating. And when, when you're sitting down preparing for a podcast, I always try, if it's a long match like that, to kind of divide the match into segments in my head. You know what I mean? So we, we've done the opening now. Like, we've set the scene. We've done the, we had a little bit of brawling. Everybody's had their turn in the ring. Everybody's had a chance to get cheered. Now it's time to get down to the kind of the, the storytelling and narrative. And I, I think the first big section of this match now is Kawada playing face in peril, isn't it? And basically Saruta Gun going to town on his neck. So yeah, like it started off with the DDT from Tawei. Now we've had the, the pile driver on the floor. Um, and so it's, it's Kawada's neck is the target now. And that's going to be the next little story that they're going to weave for maybe the next kind of five to 10 minutes of the match. Yeah, so back in the ring, you know, uh, Fuchi just picks him up and slams Kawada neck first into the top rope. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jumbo comes in, hits a big boot to Kawada's head, and then another one. And then he just, you know, he just stands on Kawada's head with one foot, <laughs> you know, just driving his head into the mat and just working over his neck. Uh, Tawe drives Kawada face first into the mat. You know, Kawada from this point tries to fight back from the bottom with, with Kawada kicks, but, you know, Tawe just cuts him off because he's in a dominant position and just stomps on his head several times for good measure. So just the, the kind of like the viciousness is set forth by, by this targeting of Kawada's neck. And you can clearly see like, you know, the, like, they want you to see, you know, you want to see Suriga as kind of more like the heelish mm. group because they're like, you don't see Misawa or, or Kobashi really becoming that vicious, uh, uh, you know, in the match at this point. Yeah. Like, and, and, and the crowd responds in kind as well. Like there's definitely when Fuji does that 
drop onto the top rope, which, by the way, looks brutal, dropping him throat first onto the top rope. Really vicious looking, really brutal. And the crowd kind of boos for that. They're kind of saying, hold on, this is too far. Like, this is too much, you know what I mean? And Jumbo in particular, I think, is is really great at being heelish in this in this segment. Like, the, as you said, that when he hits the boots a few times and then just rubs his boot in Kawada's face, like, and, 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 like just pure contempt for him. Like, and the look on his face is just pure vicious, isn't it, you know? Well, I think we have to keep in mind in, in context, like, you know, the rivalry between Masawa and, and Jumbo is based on like, you know, like I'm I'm the ace and this guy's coming from my throne. Mm-hmm. That's not happening. And I'm going to hold on to it. The rivalry between Kawada and, and, and Jumbo has like kind of the added layer, the added depth of that Kawada was Tenru's uh, protege and That's like and was yeah. on the other side. So now, you know, Tenru's gone. But hey, this punk kid is still here. He's wearing Tenru's colors of black and yellow. You got to think, I still remember when you're teaming with him against me, and now you're on the side of this this other, this guy who wants to take my spot. So, like, y- y- there's that context. I really feel like there's even a little bit more, you know, quote-unquote hatred of of Kawada from, from Jono than, than he, what he has for, for Masawa. Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, like, and, and as I said, Yes, yes, the Jumbo Masawa rivalry is there. And it's, you know, the crowd is really hot when they're both in the ring. But as you said, it, it, it's like Toral Kawada is the guy they're after in this match, isn't he? Like, it seems to be, he's the target almost. Where It's almost like Jumbo Masawa is business and it's about being the top guy. But Sarutagun against Kawada is personal. And there's a real, when he's in the ring, they're definitely harder on him than they are on anyone else, you know? Um, and this evidence, like when when Kawada is then thrown outside, where Fuchi is waiting for him, and then you know, and then he gets spiked pile drive, like like Fuchi's got him in the pile driver. Tawei jumps off the apron and spike pile drives Kawada into the blue pads outside. So yeah, they definitely like are saying the most vicious things for Kawada's neck. Like I mean, we'll we'll get to a point where they're going to work over somebody else, but like I never think it, it's as brutal as like. The, the the work you do on like someone's neck here and and it's just like you can tell it's almost like they want to cripple the guy yeah and i i wouldn't say that a spike pile driver was a commonly used move in this period of all japan i'm trying to rack my brains and it's it's not a move you would see in every match for sure like it's, it's a kind of a definitely like we're going to hit some special moves in this match to kind of put over how much dislike there is isn't it Oh, definitely. Like, and then like, you know, Kawada's thrown back in the ring and then Fuchi takes him over with this nice looking chicken wing, like hammerlock uh, takeover. And then he just, and he applies a neck crank using his leg. Like Fuchi is so fucking awesome in this match. Like he just grounds everything, but like everything he does works to what, what's going to, what has happened before mm-hmm. and what's going to happen after he's done working on someone's like a body part here. And it's just like the, what I like about like Fuji at this match, especially is like when he's doing the over the shoulder, uh, like arm breakers, he just adds that torque. He twists his opponent's yeah. arm. He twists Kobashi's arm a little with this, like he gets squat in the, in the, in the neck crank. And then he just, he, that's what he, exactly what he does. He just doesn't like keep his head in his legs. He cranks. He doesn't squeeze. Yeah. He cranks Kawada's neck while he's in this. And this looks like, I don't care if it's a work. This looks super painful. This is really brutal looking, isn't it? Yeah, like, and like, 
he's doing basically like to, to get back on the, the Fuji love train again for a minute like he's doing all the things I want from a wrestler like yeah like you know me well now at this stage WH to know that what I want from a wrestler are to to take themselves seriously in the ring to be to to have their moveset look realistic to have their moveset look vicious for there to be logic about what they do in the ring um, and, and like Fuji is ticking every single one of those boxes in this, you know what I mean? Like where, where the other guys are doing spike pile drivers and, and big moves, he's performing basic enough wrestling holds, but applying them in such a way that they look as vicious and as painful as anything that's gone so gone in this match so far. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's phenomenal. You know what I mean? He, he, he's fully aware of who he is as a wrestler. He's not going to compromise it in any way, but he's still going to very much insert himself in the narrative of the match and enhance the match through being himself and by wrestling true to his own principles as a wrestler. And that's something I admire in any wrestler. Uh, not to be outdone, though, Jamesy, Jumbo comes in and applies a sleeper hold, or, <laughs> or more accurately, he decides to start wrenching on Kawada's neck <laughs> under the pretense of applying a sleeper hold. And I have to say, <laughs> Jumbo, too, is also fucking awesome in this, mm. in this, in this part of the match. Like He's just like... He, he looks like he's about to rip his head off. It's it's so great, but it's like he's 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 disguising it as a sleeper hold. Yeah, like it's it's literally. I'm trying to see if I can squeeze this guy's head off, isn't it? Like it's incredible. Uh, you know that, and this is the point. You know, like we're like we're saying, Sarutagan is getting the heat on Kawada's neck, and this continues as you know, Tawei comes in, he whips him into the guardrail, and then clotheslines him over it, over the guardrail, into the front row. And, and just like where the fans are like, whoa, what's, it's now boiled over to the crowd. It's like, it's getting intense because you don't really see that too often in, in all Japan, unless like, you know, Stan Hansen decides to just go completely nuts in a match. Mm. But, you know, usually in a, a match involving the native wrestlers don't, don't, you don't really see like going into the match, into the crowd too often. Uh, you know, but Kawada finally finds a break by hitting a spinning sabat kick to Tawei and then tags in Kibashi, who hits a great looking missile drop kick, and then a couple of drop kick drop kicks for Fuchi and uh, Sarudas, respectively. There's a nice back and forth sequence between Fuchi and Kobashi until Kobashi gets a series of rolling cradles to disorient Masanobu Fuchi, at which point uh uh, Misawa tags in and levels him with this beautiful top rope flying elbow. So now the, the tide has shifted back to Super Generation Army, and and it, it's it's really great. And then you know there's a there's a pin attempt, and now Jumbo runs in and breaks it up to this beautiful chorus of booze, James. And it's just like this crowd is so so invested in in what's happening in this match. Yeah, and you know what I love about about that whole segment. Say if we go back to the start of the work. On Kuwata's neck. What we've basically had for the last five or ten minutes is an old school Southern tag. You know, we've got the face in peril, who's been worked over really, really, really well by the heels. Kuwata sells it like death. He sells it like he's, 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 you know, on his very last fumes. And then he gets the hot tag to Kobashi. And Kobashi comes in like the best hot tag you could ever possibly have in wrestle, full of piss and vinegar, knocks out all the other three guys. And gets the momentum back for his team, and like that's that that, that could be the Midnight Express and the Rock and Rolls back in back in the seventies and eighties, having an old sky like here we are in nineties all Japan, and they're still using the basic principles of pro wrestling, a Southern tag, and it works so well. Like you're now on the side of the younger team, you're now on Kawada's side, and you're kind of you dislike. Jumbo's army for picking on him and being so vicious to him, like old school principles of wrestling that that date back to the dawn of time, and they're using it 
in this match. Like, so, you know, when people say to me, all Japan is, oh, it's all about the big moves and it's all about the head drops. It's not. It's at least in this period. Maybe it became about that eventually. And maybe that's the time in all Japan where I started to sour on it a little bit. But in this seg, in the first five years of the decade, it was all about the basic old school principles of pro wrestling, old school storytelling and things like this. A basic Southern tag, but done with their moveset and their style. And it's just incredible. Like, And I'm just sitting here, we're 20 minutes into this match. And I'm already penciling in the five stars because it's just like, it's hard to, like we're talking through it. It's hard to, you cannot overstate how good this match has been so far. Like it's, it, there's been no down period. There's been no boring opening segment that you might get in a new Japan epic or any of that stuff. Like it's every second of this match so far has been gripping. I mean, it, it, you know, you talk about the, the, the Southern tag style influence on this match is it's, it's not surprising if you consider like the, the, you know, the influence of the Funk Brothers mm-hmm. on this company. Like they helped, yeah. they helped Giant Baba start All Japan for Wrestling. They trained a lot of like the, the key, you know, early figures of the company, including Jumbo Saruta. Jumbo Saruta yeah. was trained by Dory Funk Jr. You know, Stan Hansen was trained by the Funk Brothers and then he made his name and he was the top Gaijin in, in All Japan for, for decades. And so like to see like the Southern style of wrestling, especially in tag matches, be, be popular in All Japan is not surprising because like the Funk Brothers were a huge, huge tag team in the early, you know, the 70s of, of All Japan for wrestling. And, and it's great to see that it's still a popular style of of like a of Duga tag match in in the early nineties, and I, I would say like it, it it continues through even to the late to the late nineties as well. Like a lot of their tag matches do have the face in peril, getting the heat on somebody and getting the hot tag. That's it's a style that never does never necessarily goes away, and and it carries on to to some degree in in, in pro wrestling Noah as well. Oh, absolutely! I, I, and uh, just just looking at the participants of the match, uh, of course, Masafuchi would have spent his. Fair share of time, I believe, in the States as well. Wasn't he kind of knocking around the territories there for a while? In the, I think he was in Memphis, wasn't he? In, yeah, in, exactly. In the Nonita, so, or I mean, in Memphis, yeah, doing like the... Exactly. Weren't they in the, Mem- the concession brawl, uh, concession stand brawl with, with, uh, with like, who is it? Like Eddie Gilbert and somebody else or something like that? Like, I'm pretty sure he did he did his, his excursion over in Memphis with, with this Asushi Onita, of all there people. So, so, I mean, you know, no stranger to a Southern tag if he's in Memphis, you know? Definitely, definitely not. Um, uh, Masawa, back to the match. Masawa goes for a German suplex, but only gets a two count. He then goes for the Tiger Driver on Fuchi. But, you know, Tawei, remembering that the match he had with Masawa earlier on in in the in, in January, uh, he's like, no, no, I can't let, that's going to, that's going to kill Fuchi. So he puts a stop to that with this beautiful stiff lariat he hits Masawa with. Uh, Fuji then goes for a pin himself with a float over jackknife cradle, but only gets a two count here. Uh, Jumbo and Masawa are, are legal now, and then they go at it. And at one point, Jumbo is on the floor, and Masawa psychs him out with this flip over the top rope, and then he flips backwards back into the ring, and he does a backwards roll through, like, like on the mat, and that you know, Fuji decides, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wallop Masawa with a punch here, but Masawa's ready for this. And just waylays Fuchi with an elbow to the face. But at the same time, at the same time, JC, Kobashi is also waiting in the wings and he hits it, he hits this dive over the top rope onto Jumbo, who's on the floor still. So it's just this, there's so much stuff going on. I, I can't do it justice, but just make keep an eye out for that particular sequence uh, in this yeah. match. I, I rewound that part of the match about 20 times. And like I implore anybody who's listening, please somebody make a gif 
of that sequence because it's unbelievable. And the camera work is amazing as well, WH, because again, the cameraman has the foresight. I think they cut to the hard cam, or, or at the very least, they kind of zoom out. So you, as that whole sequence is happening, you see everything in the ring. You see Masawa skin the cat and go back into the ring, roll backwards. And at the exact moment that he nails the elbow on Fuchi, Kobashi does his springboard to the outside. It's like it's just one of those moments where it's just perfect that at the exact point of impact, he hits the planchet to the outside. And it's just, yeah, again, one of the great moments of the match, I would say. And again, credit to these cameramen. Like they are really, really good at their jobs and they're catching everything. I think it goes to, you know, goes to the synergy that, that you know, Baba had with uh, Nippon TV. And like they they understood how to film pro wrestling. Like if you watch a lot of the the footage of of like you know like seventies eighties and particularly nineties all Japan, there's like the, the camera people, the director, and the the camera people, and and the obviously the editors as well. Like afterwards, know how to like okay, this is what we need to do. And feel like you know when they do clips, they they pick the perfect spots and perfect camera angles to to make their clips to to promote matches as well. It's 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 a it was I think one of the best instances of like a television station working hand in hand so well with a professional wrestling company. Absolutely, but wouldn't it be so much better, WH, if they had about fifteen cuts per second while they were doing all that? Sure, sure, and then giving me <laughs> epilepsy and, and triggering like a seizure. Sure, that that'd be fantastic as well. Um, from from this point, Kawada tags in and he just starts peppering Saruta with a series of Kawada kicks. Um, but you know, Jumbo finally is able to catch an advantage. Grabs Kawada's leg as Kawada's going for a spinning kick, and he throws the younger man to the ground, and then just gives him a stiff slap to the back. For I, I think as it's probably a receipt, he probably got. You know, stiff got potatoed in the face by one of those kicks, probably because he's sitting in so many of them. Um, but you know, Kawada is able to you know maintain his momentum. He reverses a vertical suplex attempt and then turns that into this great looking Fujiwara armor that like, he plies yeah. in. And then he's just like his the intensity on his toothless face, Jamesy, when he's just got he's just wrenching on Jumbo's arm is just amazing to see. Yeah, and again, this feels like a big, big moment for Kawada. Like, he gets to stand up to the ace and show that he's not intimidated by him, that he's very much his equal. And as you said, probably potatoes him fairly hard as well. But, like, in a way, it works really well because you get the feeling, like, God, like, he, you know, he is every much Jumbo's equal here. And, like, you start to question, like, God, is, is Jumbo able for this guy? You know what I mean? He's such a force of nature. That you really think that God, he's 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 just about there on his level. Like, and these aren't this isn't a high up guy and a lower down guy. This is very much two equals we're seeing here in the ring. Uh, there's a nice strike exchange between Jumbo and Kawada until uh, Kawada ducks a Jumbo punch and then and again puts on the Fujiwara armbar. So he's his targeting, like he's his aim is to like just render Jumbo's arm useless. Uh, Jumbo barely survives the Fujiwara armbar, but gets to the rope and escapes. Uh, and he and he escapes more strikes from Kawada and then tags in Tawei. There's a backdrop suplex and atomic drop from Tawei, but Kawada survives these and puts on the sleeper. But he's uh, he's too close to the Saruta gun corner. And Fuji comes in to break up the sleeper by just stomping on Kawada's head. And thus beginning the, 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 the second story 
with Kawada, and this is with Masanobu Fuji, and and this is like there's like now this hatred that Kawada and Fuji have for one another throughout the the rest of this match, and it's great. Absolutely, yeah. Like it's um, it's, yeah. It, it started off as Kawada Tawei, and somehow Fuji has now inserted himself in the fight, and it's yeah, it's now become Kawada and Fuji aren't getting on. Like, and again. When Fuji breaks up that submission hold with the stomps at the ropes, there's a big chorus of boos. You know what I mean? So more and more Jumbo's team are getting booed and more and more the crowd is behind the younger team. Uh, Kobashi tags in and hits a flying shoulder tackle and puts Tawei in the Boston Crab. But uh, Jumbo comes in, he adjusts his elbow pad and runs towards Kobashi, but, you know, to give him a lariat. But Kobashi says, fuck that, releases Tawei and blasts Jumbo Siruta. With a signature Kobashi lariat, and then for good measure, he hits Fuchi with one just to knock him off the uh, just to knock him off the apron as well. Kind of a payback for his team against Fuchi. Uh, Masawa hits a frog splash for a two count on uh, on Jumbo here. Kobashi back in and he applies a Texas Cloverleaf, but this time Jumbo is successful with his interference. Oh no, it's it's on it's on Tawei. Sorry, Tawei's in the Boston in the Texas Cloverleaf, but Jumbo comes in and just boots Kobashi in the face, thus breaking up the hold. And I love the simplicity and of Jumbo Saruta. Like, is it very similar to, to, to Masanobu Fuchi? Like, he's not going to do any drop kick or anything to, to break up a pin. It's either, it's either a punch or it's, or it's going to be a lariat or, or, or better yet, a, a kick to the face. Yeah, and, and I really love that little, like, I love the little moments. Yeah, obviously, you're watching and you enjoy the big moments in matches, but I love the little things that you can kind of spot in a match as well. And I love that little bit of learned psychology. Like the first time Jumbo tries to break up the Boston Crab, Kobashi's too smart for him and too quick and drops is a tower he has in the move and gets to Jumbo before Jumbo gets to him. But the second time then, the wily veteran, like he's not going to get caught the second time. He makes sure it's kind of a, he attacks him from out of his line of vision. So the second time Kobashi has Tawei in the Texas Cloverleaf, Jumbo makes sure he can't see him and gets to break up the pin. And it's just that, you know, fool me once, but you won't fool me twice kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Just a lovely little touch. Like, you know what I mean? He gives Kobashi the first one, but he then reasserts his authority and his wiliness with the second one. Like just a lovely little touch and lovely little bit of psychology. Uh, from here, Masao works over Tawei and, and throws him into the outside where Kawada is waiting to throw him into the guardrail. And then he takes him into the crowd again and then slams him onto the floor where there, are, where there is no padding. He then follows up with more stiff kicks to Tawei's back. And as you said from earlier, Jamesy, he's, he's not just kicking Tawei in the back. He's kicking <laughs> Tawei in the back. Uh, from here, Kobashi gets a, a Cobra twist on Tawei, but Jumbo breaks that up. Uh, Kawada's back in. He hits Tawei with a lariat. Both go to the outside where Kawada tries for his own pile driver. But, he, but guess who breaks it up? You guessed it. Masanobu Fuchi. <laughs> uh, Kawada tries for another pile driver again. But again, Fuchi saves his teammate. And, and this is the part where they where, where Tawei is the man in peril and, and they get and the super generation army is is getting the uh the heat on him and this kind of plays into like i i feel you know Tawei's like position in the company they're like kind of reasserting like where he stands in the pecking order in the company um and, and it's, it's in relation especially to to um 
you know, Masawa and Kawada because it, it, it refers, references back to the January 15th Kawada match, but also to the January 26th Masawa match at, at Super at, at Corican Hall. And this is like that match is great because it's the first instance of of Misawa using the Tiger Driver 91, which is the head dropping variation of the move with like the regular Tiger Drivers on the back. And and Misawa uses that and normally like maybe Tawei before. Would have been pinned by that, but he in that match, in the January 26th match, he kicks out of that. So Masawa has to create this new, deadlier version of it and drop the poor man on his head. You know, God bless you, Kira Tawe, for being the first man to take to I don't know what the conversation must have been like, James, <laughs> where Masawa says, Okay, you're gonna kick out of the tiger driver. Okay, I'm gonna do a new move on you. Okay, what's the new move? I'm gonna drop you on your head. Uh, I'm gonna rotate you halfway and then drop you. And so you're lying on your head. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, you know, I, I'd say the I'd say the conversation starts. Have you been doing your neck bridges? <laughs> because you're going to need them. You're going to need a good strong neck to take this new move that I've invented. Yeah, but again, I think this this portion of the match is just kind of reasserting that like, this is where Tawei is. Yeah, yeah. comparison to Misawa and Kawada uh, on this roster. Yeah, and it's it's like Kawada has taken his licks. From the opponents and he's had his neck worked over and this like in my notes i call this this little segment Tawe or kawada's revenge almost you know what i mean because like Tawe takes nearly the most brutal beating that anyone takes in the match in this little it's only a short enough segment but like they really beat him up like as you said there's an awful lot of those kicks in the back and like just to reassert these aren't your indie kick pad kick to the backs these are <laughs> foot on back kicks in the back Upper kicks in the back, like and at one point Tawei takes, I think, some kind of a shot in the chest or in the abdomen, and he either gets genuinely winded or he's one of the greatest sellers of all time because he just he doubles over and slumps over, and you really feel like the guy is in severe agony. Like it's a, it's a really really good beatdown, and I suppose it's he gets a little bit of sympathy back in this segment as well. You know what I mean? That they've been very mean to go at it in the last segment. Now Tawei's Tawei's turn to get a little bit of sympathy, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Like, cause it's it's not a clear cut distinction of like babyface heels. No, it's like no. one one team has a different motivation for for trying to win this match exactly. than the other, and yeah. and like you know like you know like whereas like Jumbo Jumbo's team is more based on kind of selfishness because they want they want to he wants to keep his spot hmm. on top of the card, and these guys want to help him keep his spot, and and like these and the you know, Super Generation Army wants to elevate themselves and, and take New Japan all Japan to 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 the you know the next level to the next and and to the next uh, decade with with younger guys so it's like well who do you who do you side with if it was wcw you would definitely you know pick the older guys keeping their spots you know and like <laughs> keeping the younger people down that's 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 would be wcw but jumbo i mean baba didn't think like that fortunately he clearly made like masawa like this is the guy you want to be rooting for against against jumbo saruta but um there's a point where where kawada has tawei this is a great moment he has tawei in a single leg boston crab and Masanobu Fuchi is about to interfere. But Kawada sees it and, and just gives him the middle finger. <laughs> and Fuchi's reaction to this middle finger is absolutely great because he is so angry. He's so <laughs> pissed off at, at the, the, the temerity of Toshiaki Kawada, this, this young punk, to, to give me, a veteran in this company, Jumbo's best friend, the finger. Wow. It's great. Uh, uh, this, this, is, this is one of the points where I think it was Saturday night I was watching this match. 
And I paused it and I went onto Twitter and I sent you a DM and I just said, like, this is one of the funniest, most it's 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 funny, but not in a silly, funny way. It, it's a you laugh, but you're kind of laughing because we've all been there when you just, you know, one of those days, maybe you're in your job and work or something like that, and you've just had enough, and you just go, oh, fuck this. You know, I'm just so fed up. And that this this is Kawada's fuck this moment. Like he's, you know, he's been beating up on this guy. He's just lost all reason. And this Fuji guy will not stop interfering. Like Kawada's aim is to beat up Tawei. And this Fuji guy is like a thorn in his side for the whole match, getting in the way of his aim of beating up, beating up um, Tawei. And he just, yeah, he just turns, flips him off. And it's just so funny. It's one of the most... It's a badass moment and it's a funny moment and it's also a really identifiable moment. Like we've we've all been there, we've all had that feeling. I think it's 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 an entertaining moment. And like one of the things I and it makes sense within the context of everything that's happened before it. And and one thing I I I don't really appreciate about you know modern day, you know, quote unquote comedy in, in, in modern wrestling is like it it I feel it's designed to expose wrestling as being fake. And it's then to say, hey, wrestling is fake. Ha ha, we're all in on the joke. Whereas this is is like, no, wrestling is real. And this is what would really happen if you had someone that you worked with who was like a rival in your company, you know, like continuously like cutting your legs off at, you know, when you're trying to do something at work. So that, it, like yeah. you're saying, as you're, as you're explaining that this is a completely relatable moment, but it doesn't make fun of the, what's happened before it doesn't make you think wrestling is fake this is it, it enhances the moment i think it's one of those great like you know it's a great example of wrestling psychology even though no one gets hit or anything like that or no one gets hurt but it's just natural for for kawada to to express himself this way because it's not like he's gonna let go and then just run over and hit fuji like no like you're not gonna do i see you fuck you let's and let's get on you know <laughs> And it's, what's great about it is, like, it's not as if this is a thing that he does all the time. Like, I, I don't particularly recall this being a thing that happens commonly in his matches, you know. And because it's so out of place almost in this promotion, it's more memorable. You know, like, if, if this was WWE, that spot would get over and they do it in every feckin' tag match for the next <laughs> 10 years. You know what I mean? But this happens, this happens once. And it happens really well. And then it's left to be the moment that it is. And it's never kind of, it doesn't become part of his repertoire. And it doesn't become something that he beats into the ground mercilessly to the point where you hate it as a spot anymore. It's just left be its own little thing in this match. And it adds to the, like, it's it's nearly the moment I think of when someone says 420-91 to me, it's nearly the first thing that comes into my head because it's so unique and so out of the ordinary. Oh, definitely. Um, back to the match. At one point, Tawei's on the floor again. And Masao and Kobashi, you talk about Southern style uh, tag wrestling, JC. Ko- Masao and Kobashi do the Midnight Express rocket launcher move. But this is from <laughs> like, so, so Kobashi, so, so Masawa is the stand lane. He's the base. Kobashi's <laughs> going to do the flying. He's the Bobby in this, in this, in this example. And, but you have to understand, like, they're doing it from the top rope to <laughs> the floor. They're doing a rocket launcher from the top rope to Tawei, who's standing on the floor. And it, it, it's pretty impressive. It's pretty cool. It's like, wow. Yeah. And it's kind of kind of a like a, a you know premonition of like the tag team that Masao and Kobashi will form a couple of years later, because mm-hmm. at this time, Masao and Kawada are the regular tag partners. Yeah, and it looks great as well. You know what I mean? And we're talking about little moments. 
there are big moments in this match as well. And, and like, you have to remember, this is 1991. You know what I mean? Like, guys being launched off the top rope to the floor is by no means a common occurrence. Like, obviously, it's very common these days and there's all kinds of stuff going on. Like, but this is 1991. This is 30 years ago now. God, you know, 30 years ago, they're doing a move like that. And it looks great. It looks impactful. And again, it's not a high-flying, in inverted commas, move done to look pretty. It looks effective and it looks like it works, which, which is which is what makes it so good. And and this is and we're back in the ring, and Tawe is in massive trouble, Jamesy, at this point in this match. But but luckily for him, you know what he has? He has Masanova Fuchi on his team. <laughs> because as Kaido Kobashi is going to go for a suplex on Akira Tawe, Masanova Fuchi comes into this ring and drop kicks Kobashi in his left knee. This is the the knee without the extra padding or protection. Yeah. And thus begins one of the longest and best heat segments on any baby face's limb you'll see anywhere or in any time in professional wrestling. And I know it's not a, it's not a chop block. I know you love a good chop block. I do. This drop kick oh. to the left knee is almost as good as my opinion. Oh, it is. Like, and, and Kobashi has a way of, I don't know, it's just does it, that he just... He lets people attack his knee more than he should, but he has a way of his leg buckling under a move that makes it look so effective, doesn't it? Like, like when Fuji hits this drop kick, I, I wound it back a few times. His leg kind of buckles inwards, and it's, it, I suppose maybe that explains <laughs> the problems he had in later life with his knees. But like, God Almighty, you, you swear that this guy's leg is gone. You know what I mean? And like, you'll often DM me about a, about a match and say, "Oh, you should watch that. It's a Jamesy match." And like it's become well established at this point that, that, that the Jamesy match usually involves limb work and limb selling. And like we're about to embark on possibly one of the greatest limb work segments in the history of pro wrestling, I would say. Like it is, and I let you talk the listeners through it, like, but like you have to understand that I'm sitting for the next 10 or 15 minutes watching this match literally standing up, punching the air, because this is everything I could possibly want from pro wrestling. Well, I, the, the thing is, is Jamesy, like, I was going to think, like, I'm going to maybe let you embellish a lot of, a lot of what happens because like, I, I was just like, there's so much going on in this segment. And, and like, basically all three members of Surutigan basically take turns assaulting mm-hmm. Kenny Kobashi's yeah. knee, but, but Masanobu Fuchi is especially vicious <sighs> in his attack like like Jumbo's a vicious and Tawi's vicious, but but Masanobu Fuchi is, is like the like a tor- you know like a torturer basically, and he sees Kenny Kobashi. He's like, I I don't know why he hates Kenny Kobashi's knee this much, or maybe he didn't buy him lunch that one time he was supposed to go out to the to the convenience store and buy everyone lunch. Maybe he forgot Fuchi's lunch. Maybe that's his payback for that. But but Masanobu Fuchi is is if you like. People like punishing other people in wrestling. You will love Masanobu Fuchi in this segment, along with the other other two members of Sarut again, but Fuchi especially. Um, yeah, I mean Jumbo and Tali take turns at different points, driving Kabashi's knee on top of some of the on top of the commentators' table yeah. on the outside. There's there's a great shot of some women fans just they're absolutely <laughs> hate Sarut again at this point because they're they're obviously super Kabashi fans. They're yelling obscenities. At Fuji, I can't. Re- mm. Well, I can repeat what they're saying. Kind of, I think. I think they're calling him a son of a bitch, and a bastard. <laughs> really? As he attack, and he, this is the point where he's attacking Kobashi's knee with a chair. But I'm, I'm missing a whole lot. If James, if you want to like go into a little bit more detail, please take over. 
Oh, like there's, I'm trying to think, there's the barricade. At one point they drop his knee on the barricade and it looks so painful. There's a couple of times they go to the commentator's desk and they ram his knee onto that. And like, this isn't your WWE commentator's table. Like this is your old, old school Japanese table with no give in it. Um, Fuji gets a chair and attacks the knee with the chair, puts the chair on the ring apron at one point and drops Kobashi's knee down onto the hardest part of the chair. Um, There's times when, like, and the great thing about this as well isn't just the limb work. It's the guy who's selling the limb work. Ah, so good. It's a young baby-faced Kenta Kobashi screaming in pain, almost in tears. He's in so much pain and still trying his best to fight back. And every time he fights back, Fuji will just do another drop kick to the knee. And it's like, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're willing on Kobashi to kind of make his comeback. And just when you think he might do it, bang, that drop kick to the knee again, you know. And there's oh, there's a really good point where, do you remember where, where Fuji, he wraps Kobashi's knee up in the ropes almost. And it just looks so sick the way he does it. Like it's, it's he's like this, surgeon going about his work really calmly really coolly but just completely dissecting this leg and there's one of my favorite parts is when jumbo comes in at one point and there's a single leg boston crab he does but it's 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 one of those high angle ones where he's standing up and he's just kobashi is just completely twisted underneath him and it's like the pressure he's putting on this destroyed leg is just unbelievable you know so it's just as i said like it's and it's so long like it must be at least 10 minutes it's a wh or 15 minutes even and that sounds like in the wrong hands 10 to 15 minutes of limb work could be very grim you know what i mean because like not all limb work is good it's like everything there's good limb work and bad limb work there's boring there's triple h working a leg for example you know what I mean? Which, which I would not want to watch that man working a leg, pretending he's fucking Harley Race for ten to fifteen minutes, and then there's Masafuchi, Jumbo, and Tawei doing it, where it's just the most compelling and gripping thing you'll ever see in your life. I think one of the things is like you know, like you're 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 saying this is like what you're saying is like there's always something happening in this yeah. in this match, it's like varied. at this point, it's varied, yeah. And it, it it's like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna punch his leg. Okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put him in a single like Boston crab that looks like a like a like a lion tamer, basically like, yeah, like you're saying exactly, the high angle version. Exactly, and then yeah. now I'm gonna ra- I'm gonna lift him up and drive his knee into like this chair. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap him up in the ropes. I'm gonna like put on like I I, I can't remember if it's against him or Fuji or like Kawada that Fuji does the like a variation of the STF, but like the pressure is more on the knees than it is on the neck. You know, like I yeah. it might have been to might have been against Kawada, but like there's points where he just puts on a move. It's not a wrestle. He's like, I hate wrestles that are actually designed to be wrestles to give the guy a breather. This is a move that you put on that that yeah. you're you're actively working to like to 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 like you know make your opponent like quit. Basically, these could be submission holes for for all we for like the the way we're talking about them, like punching him in the in the in the the knee. Okay, like if Kawada, if Kawashi gave up at that point, I wouldn't blame him after the no, punishment no. he has endured. Yeah, absolutely. If the, if the match finished with Kobashi giving up, it would be phenomenal. Like it, 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 you you wouldn't argue with it. Like in a lot of matches, that would be like, okay, is that it? He never fought back. But you could honestly believe that he would give up here. And one of the ones that one of the little pieces I have to point out as well. Do you remember? There's a figure four that Tewe puts on at one point. Yes. And the struggle that they 
go through just in the simple placement like Kobashi tries to block him from lock from getting the, the other leg over to put pressure on it but there's this insane struggle over a simple move like the figure four and I, I see these two doing it and I wonder why people don't do that more often with this figure four you know the way people just put the figure four on now and that's it whereas you could buy another 30 seconds by having a struggle over it and there's an amazing shot of Kobashi when the figure four is finally fully applied and he's just struggling in this move he's in agony he's drenched in sweat and he's nearly crying his eyes out in pain and it's just like god this guy is one of the greatest baby faces of all time like you feel so much for him while he's struggling against these guys i think you know he went to the correct promotion because he was taught how to express passion <laughs> in his yeah. in yeah. in his in his offense but also when he's you know, selling like that's the the tenant of like Jan Baba is like pro wrestling is passion. You know, pro wrestling has to be emotional. Like it's not about like oh I'm a I'm I'm tougher than you know martial arts dude. That's the other philosophy of of Japanese wrestling. And yeah. I you know and, and there's like great examples of people who do that style and like having amazing matches. But I will always lean towards you know King's Road, the Royal Road of mm. of Jan Baba because like. I like to me, it's like look how many people he's produced who are such great people, like great characters that you in, can invest in and project yourself onto and think, oh my God, if I was that person, I would be feeling this way too. If I was this is being done, and like when I'm making my comebacks, this is how you know how fired up I would be as well. Like, that's just my opinion about it, but like that to me is like why I always will prefer this style of wrestling mm-hmm. to almost anything else that exists in, in the history of professional wrestling. Absolutely. Like, and it's to go back to what we discussed earlier, like we have this six man tag match and within the fabric of a six man tag, we have two mini Southern tags, don't we? Like we have the, the Kawada one and now we have this one where, where Kobashi is the guy who, so, so two of the three guys on, on the, on the, um, super generation army team become faces in peril within the context of this larger match you know what I mean and you hear that and you think god that's a bit ambitious and would that not get boring doing that twice you know what I mean like you would rarely see that happen twice in a normal tag match usually you see it once and that works twice would you not think god that's a bit overkill would it not be a bit samey but like it's not at all because they're two totally separate and different face and peril segments but both equally compelling in their own way yeah i mean it's different body parts as well like different one body is parts, mega, yeah and, yeah and different people that they're if they did mm-hmm. this if they kept on doing it to kawada i yeah. think maybe we were having a different conversation but they do exactly. it to two different two different people yeah. and it's two different body parts but you know but you know kobashi is able to finally get out he tags in kawada and 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 dangerous k is just an absolute ball fire the southern tag hot tag kawada toshiaki kawada is robert gibson to 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 you know kenikobashi's ricky morton can't believe i'm making that analogy but here we are but it's true yeah it is yeah. And, and he just starts hitting fuchi with these elbows to the face and and then knocks him down with a short range lariat he falls up he grabs a wrist and this is one of my favorite kawada spots he grabs a wrist he chops the guy he, he maintains wrist control pulls him back up chops him again Pull, maintains resistance control, pulls him up, chops him down, and he goes for a two count on this. Uh, he only gets a two. Uh, Masawa then tags in and hits Fuchi with elbows, but, but Fuchi reverses an Irish witch, 
whip, and he doesn't do anything fancy. He reverses Irish Irish whip and just punches Masawa in the face. What a great moment! What a great fantastic of Fuchi is. Kobashi <laughs> comes in. Kobashi sees this. He comes in, and then Fuchi punches him for good measure too. The crowd then starts the Fuchi clap clap call yeah. to show their appreciation for what a great man that we are we are talking about in Masanobu yeah. Fuchi in this match. It's great. It's, I love this spot. Ah, uh, like it's 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 like literally everything you describe. I'm sitting here going, yeah, that was amazing as well. Like it, it literally is everything, isn't it? It's just it's a, it's a punch like in the face. Little, yeah, but but even that after this huge extended sequence, a simple thing like a punch in the face. And he has Corrigan Hall in the palm of his hand. Like, it's just incredible. Incredible. Uh, Jumbo comes in, hits Masao with a folding power bound for a two count. And, and this is the point where I feel like the, the crescendo of the match mm, has yeah. started. We're in the stretch now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Double team Laird on Masawa from, from Tawe and, and, and uh, Jumbo here. Uh, Tawe goes for the Canadian backbreaker. And I got to tell you something. This is funny. I, my second viewing of this. So they're, they're setting up the Canadian backbreaker in the corner, right? In Surtigan's corner. And at some point, you hear someone in the audience, like one, uh, a female fan, saying, Nani, <laughs> like, which means what? In Japanese, it, okay. it means uh, basically what she's saying. What are you doing? I don't understand this. What is that? <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Which I, when Teaching I heard them that, new moves. When I when I just when I'm hearing this, I'm like, I like I was just I just started laughing because like they don't understand like why you're doing the setup for a Canadian backbreaker like this. But that but this, that's what they're going for. They're going for the Canadian uh, backbreaker in this. Um, uh, Jum- Jumbo Fuchi and Jumbo are standing guard. As Tawe has, uh, you know, uh, Masao up in this move, but Kobashi is able to sneak in. He kind of like does like like goes around Jumbo, I think, and just say and saves and saves uh, Masawa here. Uh, Masawa from this backdrops Tawe and goes for a pin, but only gets a two here. Uh, Masawa avoids the uh, Tawe sumo stance lariat and hits the Tiger Driver, the regular one, only gets a two count here, and, and the crowd's really really well into all these near falls and especially yeah, this yeah. one because they're again referencing the the singles match that Tawai had with Masawa back in back in January. Um where am I here? Uh Kobashi hits his moonsault on Tawai. Only gets a two. So like at this point, uh no, yeah, no. Uh Fuchi breaks up the pin. So like Tawai would have got pinned, but that bastard Fuchi, you know, <laughs> saves saves his saves his team again from losing. He breaks up the pin. Uh, this is great. Like this is where Tawe, I think, also shines. Like he's he's just surviving this onslaught of this this assault of of finishers from like the Super Generation Army here, Jamesy. Yes, and and the thing now that I'm I'm also watching like a hawk because uh, I hadn't watched this match now until I rewatched it. I hadn't watched it in a while, and in my head is like I've already penciled in my five stars. Okay, and I'm thinking. God, what if what if Kobashi doesn't sell the leg now? After all that 15 minutes, if he doesn't sell the leg, I may have to duck this match a quarter star. So I watch it like a hawk, and he does. So like he's when he breaks up that initial pin, he definitely hobbles in and is still selling the leg. Now he does the moonsault. And you might say, should he be able to do a moonsault with with that injured leg? But I'm taking it as a huge moment of him, his fighting spirit. And fighting through the leg pain. And I, I wound back a few times. He hits the moonsault. And when he gets up, he sells the leg straight away. And he hobbles back to the corner. So 
I'm absolutely fine with the selling in this. I, I think I read a review of somebody saying that they thought Kobashi's leg selling was often this, but definitely not. Definitely, I think he sells that absolutely fine and I have no problem with it. Uh, Tawai Mom's a brief comeback with a DDT and a Nadoa Toshi, but Kawada breaks uh, the, the pit up there. Uh, uh, Mele breaks out with Kawada standing in the background while Jumbo is pushed back by, by Kyo Iwata. And, and Kobashi takes out Masanobu Fuchi. He throws him out, out of the ring. And mm. when the moment is right, this is, this, is, this is so amazing. When the moment is right, Kawada comes in. He hits Tawai in the back of the head with a lariat, knocking him out. And this is the same move that won him the match with Tawei on January 15th. So this is calling back again to, to that match. And this, this allows Misawa to use the Tiger suplex to get the one, two, three. And so it's, it's really Kawada who beats Tawei. Mm. And, and Misawa is just kind of, you know, the coup de gras is the Tiger suplex. It's, it's, it's like the, you know, it's the crossing the T, dotting the I here. Yeah. But yeah. it is, it is Kawada's lariat to the back of the head because this knocks Tawei out as it did in, on January 15th. And I think that the way this is shot, the way this is laid out, yeah. how everyone is positioned in the ring is absolutely perfect because you don't know what's going to happen. And then he hits that lariat. And it's like, oh, and if you, if you, and like most of these people in the in Cork and Hall, James, I'm going to say they probably, pretty familiar with what has gone on at Cork and Hall mm-hmm. before. And this happened at Cork and Hall as well, like about um, four months earlier. So like not that much time has passed. Like that was a very memorable match. So like, I'm going to say probably most of the people here, Oh, that's what he did to him on January 15th. And so like, it's a great moment when, when, you know, Masawa finally hits the Tiger suplex, they know it's probably the finish and it is one, two, three. And, and the match is over in 51 minutes and at 32 seconds, and I just like, you know, like, and like you, you referenced Joseph Monticelio's video about this. And that's where, like, I got that information. I was like, oh, yeah, right. Because I did watch that as part of my research for this. And and please, everyone, go watch anything Joseph does about yeah, all Japan, absolutely. plus anything else he does about wrestling. He's such a great, you know, uh, great researcher and, and video videographer. Like, he's definitely coming back on, on, on this show in the future, for sure. I've already asked him. But, but just... I just love this finish because like, if you have that context, it's really amazing. And just the execution of, of every, all the elements of the, of the camera work and, and, and the positioning in the ring, like I was saying before, is just, just, if I think about it, so it's like, how do they do that? How do they pull that off? But that's just the beauty of, of like professional wrestling when it's done right. Yeah. It's, it, I, I, and like you said, it's, it, it's almost like to go back to a sporting analogy. Yes. Masawa scored the goal, but it's, it's like, Kawada had a massive assist. You know what I mean? Like Kawada did all the work, and then Masawa would happen to be the guy to score the goal. But like, it's it, it never would have happened without Kawada, you know. And it's like, yeah, it's 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 a really great finish. And like, after all that, after fifty minutes, it doesn't even take one of the big big moves from Masawa to win the match. Like, it's it's the bridging tiger suplex. It's like his probably his third tier finish at this point, maybe if even that. But because it's pure opportunism, isn't it? It's the one. It's the one point in the match where he gets to hit a finisher when no one else is around to break it up. You know what I mean? And I love that. I've always loved that. But it was one of the first things that struck me about Japanese wrestling when I started watching was that thing they did in tag matches, where you would have the pins would always be broken up, and then at points you'd have guys on a team blocking each other from breaking up pins, and it gives the tag matches almost a kind of a a tactical element. You know what I mean? Like this is the one time that Masawa 
got Teway on his own in the ring and was able to hit a big move on him and finish the match without anybody breaking it up. And it's it just adds to the excitement of it, really, doesn't it? And the genius of it. And, and the, as you said, the, the, just, just an amazing finish. And the camera catches it all so perfectly. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, the fans are absolutely, you know, love this oh. match. Oh, yeah. They show their appreciation. There's a rare, like they're chanting Zen Nihon, Zen Nihon, which means all Japan in English. Okay. And so, like, when I hear that, like, you, you never hear like promotion chants in Japan. No, no. Like I never hear Shin Nihon. Like maybe rarely, but it's it's not it's not it's not common to hear like, you know, like we have ECW, ECW, AEW, whatever. Like oddly enough, you know what? You never hear WWE chant. Even when the company's hot, no one ever chants WWF. Probably because it's really hard to chant it, which it's is probably a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's probably a good thing too. Like I I honestly I hate promotion chance i think they're terrible <laughs> but hey that's just me but but yeah this is such a this is such a great match it's it's probably my favorite you know six-man tag of all time it's just i don't know i don't know what else to say we we covered it we went through it we went through most of it and and what what what, have, what are your final thoughts about this this match here jamesy I, I would definitely say best six-man tag that I've ever seen anyway. Um, now, I, I haven't seen everything from Michinoku Pro. I certainly haven't seen everything from Dragon Gate, but also I don't know if anything would have the depth. Like, it, it's the depth of this, isn't it? And it's, as I said, if you watched it blind, it's probably a great match without knowing who anybody is because they tell the story so well. You know, the face and peril segments are very accessible. You straight away identify with the guy selling. So without knowing anything, it's a great match. But with the knowledge of all the layers, like I, I had never copped that little thing that you said from Joseph's video about the lariat to the back of the head. So there's another layer now that I even appreciate it more. You know what I mean? And you could probably watch this match and every time see another little thing that you like. It's got big moments. It's got all the small moments that I like. It's got limb selling. It's got good. It's got limb work. It's got good selling. It's got six people who are completely over with this crowd. Like you, you can't understate that every single person in this match is getting their own chance. is is massively over. Like so, it's it's it feels like an important match. Um, it's like I don't know. Like you know, what more? What more could you say except the best six man tag I've ever seen? Probably a top five nineties all Japan match of all time. I would say. Um, just yeah, just just five stars. Obviously, do I even have to say it? Just phenomenal, absolutely. Like, I think through the course of our review of the match, we've given all the reasons why it's good. I can't really add any more than that, you know. No, I, I think we probably exhausted like uh, what we could say about this match. And easy five stars for me. Oh, yeah. Um, I like I gotta I gotta see if uh, our good friend Gareth has uh, put us up on a grapple. I guess. If not, I I'll send him a message. Say hey. Oh, yeah, put this match up on, on the grapple yeah. there, mate. Uh, and yeah, like that there, go, go find it. It's easily found. I'll have a link in the show description, uh, but it's easily found on, on YouTube. And I'm sure every other streaming site that, that, that doesn't have like, uh, you know, uh, take down notices, notifications from Nippon TV. <laughs> uh, but there you go. James, like, thank you so, so much for, for coming on the long and winding road road. We, we, uh, we, we planned this before, like your, your sabbatical from, from doing podcasting uh, last year. And then, you know, you came back with the boots and trunks podcast. And, and I thought, Oh, it's a good time to see if he, if you would still be interested in, in doing something 
uh, with me. And, and here, here you are. You said yes. So I'm very happy about that. I appreciate it. And but where, where can people find uh, your work if you're if you're still like, you know, like you do the Boots and Punk Truck podcast, but there hasn't been a new episode in a while. Yeah, taking a little break from that. Um, it's it's on the We Don't Know Wrestling Podcast Network. Um, I think I have six episodes of it up there. Um, basically, it's audio essays, I would call, written and narrated by myself. Um, and they're, they're, they take a lot of work, is what I would say about them. Like, usually the script for them can be seven or 8,000 words, you know what I mean? So there's a lot of time and effort goes into them. So I've been a little bit burnt out on doing those. I do have some plans maybe for next year for a few topics I'd like to... Um, write another script on and maybe get back to recording it's 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 dormant but it's not dead i would say um and actually episode one of that if if you're interested if the listeners are interested in all japan was actually about all japan pro wrestling about the 6995 tag match so if you enjoyed hearing myself and wh talk about all japan pro wrestling here then maybe give that a listen and see if you enjoy it and then just i'm on twitter as well at jamesy underscore 2015 and just to give our friends at Grapple, our good friends from the group chat, WH at Grapple, I did a podcast with them recently on their Patreon um, about the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, and a little mixtape of his matches from back in the day, back in ROH, and a few other promotions from, from back in his early days as a wrestler. So maybe give that a little listen as well. It was really enjoyable to do. Uh, definitely. Anything from our, our good friends, Beto, uh, JP, and, and Gareth, uh, especially if, if James is involved, because they, you know, I think, that that's a great show. I did listen to it, and and I just like the fact that you and you and Benno get so excited about talking about early RO. It's just, it's yeah. great. I love it. So I I hope you you uh, will find time sometime in the future. Come back on on this show. You get oh, to pick a pick another match. I I really enjoy talking with you as as always, and and I look forward to, to doing another show with you. Uh, check out you know what for for James's uh, podcast the Boot and, Boots and Trunk podcast. I I'm a big fan of the headlock episode. I didn't think, <laughs> oh, it's good to talk about headlocks. I mean, I like Jamesy, but okay. But I listened to it. I'm like, I come away with that. Listener listening to that with appreciation for the headlock done right. And if, if, if you are interested in like, can a headlock be interesting? Listen to that particular episode of, of James's podcast on the We Don't Know Wrestling Network, easily found over wherever you get all your podcasts. But uh, yeah, for, for Jamesy, I want to thank all listeners for, for supporting this show, especially if you bought the Long and Winding Railroad Pillars t-shirt, which, you know, we, we, got a new, we got a new person who bought a t-shirt. You might have heard of this guy. His name is Andrew Thompson. Andrew Thompson, thank, I appreciate you buying that t-shirt my friend thank you very much and and you can find that over at store.postwrestling.com you know you know jamesy your your fellow irishman alan farrell has a white version of that that he likes to do when he's gardening and and like it looks good on him i don't know if you've oh, seen no the picture man. you know i don't know if you've seen the picture of him wearing that shirt but i'm like saying hey like if you look at alan farrell wearing that shirt you think my god that's a good looking shirt i want one too and you think head over to the post store postwrestling.com you can either get it in white like alan did or you can get it in black like like our good friend over at the torch rich fan has has gotten as well a lot of a lot of wrestling podcasting celebrities mm. wear all this the stars. shirt all the stars all the stars, all the stars. i know i know jp houlihan has one you oh know God. so another sort of irish man like, I, stars I, and handsome men i have to say you've got some good I, medals knocking around i i am super popular in ireland it seems <laughs> I, I don't know why with the irish. <laughs> i don't know i it's it's something maybe because like i'm korean and i think korean people are the irish of asia 
That might be it. <laughs> it's it's because you you were praising Tato crisps before. That's it. W H. Remember the four L's gave you Tato crisps. So once you praise something like that, you're always you're a hero in Ireland forever. Oh, thank you. Thank I. I'll take it. I'll take any appreciation I can from <laughs> from, from 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 Ireland. I I hope to visit there one day in the future. But but JC, oh, thank you yeah. so much. Thank you to all thank listeners you, for. For, for supporting the show and and uh you know jamesy will come back sometime in the future and then we got yeah. some more great episodes coming up we're, we're gonna do some more you you think all the biographies are done uh-uh we, we're not finishing with Tawei. the next biography james i'm gonna i'm gonna reveal it the next biography is the unofficial fourth fifth pillar that's jin akiyama that's gonna come in the future probably sometime in 2022 so we look out for that. I know who's going to do that podcast with me. Gene Akam expert. He's, he's already slated. He said he's going to do it. I'm not going to say who he is until we get closer to recording. But yeah, we got so many great things to, to look forward to. We got, we got Post Perez coming up at every month. We got, sometimes we got a bonus episode of that. I, I'm going to be coming back with with uh, the Hawkeye reviews with waiting over at the MCU later on the on the post post wrestling cafe Patreon, so many things. But uh, I'm exhausted, James. I know you're exhausted. I'm exhausted. But thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>